Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. It's just me here today, Mabel. Um, This is sort of a spontaneous episode. My son was seeming like he needed a second nap, and I realized I hadn't been outside yet today. So we're going for a nap walk slash podcast recording time. Um, So I don't have any notes for today's episode. It's going to be a bit of a ramble. We'll see what comes out of my brain. Um, I was watching a summit recently, all kinds of speakers on fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and I honestly cannot remember who said this, but they were talking about postpartum and someone was talking about the kind of support you might want to set up for yourself and said something along the lines of, you know, you could ask your friends to come over to, you know, do chores, do laundry, do dishes, make you food. And then they said something like, and if that's like not your thing, if you're not comfortable asking for help like that, that's totally fine too. And so I guess, first of all, yes, that is totally fine. If that's where you're at and you're not comfortable with asking for that, then that's, you know, that's where you're at. And I think that in general, women could be challenged to expand their capacity to receive a little bit more, or a lot bit more, perhaps. So I just wanted to explore that today, this concept of reception in the postpartum time, and how we can cultivate that before it comes to this time in our lives, and how that can affect the rest of our lives, or even not in this time. So, maybe we'll start with what is the hang-up that so many women, I'm sure men too, but in this situation I'm specifically talking about women because it seems very universal. Like a lot of women have this experience of not feeling fully comfortable with receiving. So I, you know, I have no idea what the answer is. I'm just going to explore it a little bit in myself. The first thing that came up for me when I just said that was the fear of being seen. So if you are in a fully receptive state, that means you're fully open to receive whatever is being given, whatever medicine it is, community, friendship, support, help, financial, whatever. You have to be open in order to receive that. And if you're open, you are going to be seen. And I know that for me, it's been a really big thing to work on my fear of being seen by other women. So this is, you know, a perfect thing to work on before postpartum. Becoming more comfortable with being seen by women so that I can be more open, so that I can receive. Um... What are some ways this has looked for me? I think just for the first time in my life, having... Sorry, going up a hill here. um, Having really deep female friendships has changed a lot for me. 
you know, people talk about like the witch wound, the sister wound. And for a while I was like, eh, whatever, you know, sister wound, ooh. Um, but when I started to really think about it and feel into it for myself, I was like, wow, this actually feels really true. And I feel like in some ways I'm sort of a classic case of what that looks like. You know, in high school I was, I had a couple of female friendships, but they always seemed full of like drama and gossip and like, oh, now we're not actually friends for some reason. I'm not quite sure what's going on here. I never really felt comfortable in them. And I tried for a couple of years and I was like, okay, whatever. I'm just one of those people who's friends with guys. That's fine. And that was kind of like a point of pride for me, you know? I was like, I'm just, just a dude person. I'm not, not really into having women friends. And as a kid, I was, you know, very tomboyish. So it fit well with my story of how I saw myself. And so this continued for many years um, after high school. And I'm trying to think if there was like one tipping point, but I can't remember any specific incident. I think that in general coming to terms with my own femininity, my own internal sense of what it means to be a woman and how to embody that, which is, you know, obviously something that I'm still working on. I haven't mastered it by any means. But just coming closer to that part of myself opened up the possibility to become closer with women externally. That seems to be the way it is in life when you open something inside, something outside opens. Um, so moving in with Sarah and family was really helpful. She is such a beautiful lady and I sort of doubt that she'll listen to this episode because she doesn't seem to listen to her own podcast, but I just love her a lot and she, I feel like, was really one of my first close women friends that I didn't feel like I had to pretend to be friends with, you know? It wasn't like, yeah, we're friends, this is great, I totally don't trust you at all. She is one of the first people, first women that I felt really close and open and trusting of. And that was huge for me. Um, and so that experience and my own experience with connecting with my own divine feminine really opened the door after that for more connection with women which has been such a beautiful gift in my life. And one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about our prenatal circles that we're hosting and our upcoming women's circle that we're hosting in person in Kingston, because I feel like so many women walk around with this, this disconnect, this distrust maybe of other women, whether it's conscious or not, whether it's a big thing in their life or just like a little lingering programming that they haven't quite figured out yet. And that's why it feels so, so important to make space for women to come together to connect in a non-hurried and like um, a place with no agenda, you know? We're not trying to get anything done in these circles. We're not trying to achieve anything. We're not trying to teach anything really. It's just a place to come and to be together. And I think that's really special and I'm excited for this circle to open. 
So, any local women, please come visit us. Um, we haven't quite decided when this is going to happen, or all of the details of it, but it will probably be in Kingston, New York. And I honestly don't know when we're going to publish this episode because I still don't have a functional computer, so I still can't edit and publish podcast episodes. But whenever you're listening to this, just check out the link that will be in the show notes for these two circles and come hang out. All right, anyways, back to the topic at hand, reception, receiving. So, receiving in the postpartum time. Number one reason why it might be challenging is being afraid of being seen specifically by other women. Reason number two, something that came up that doesn't really feel like it was relevant for me in my postpartum time, but I could definitely see it for other people. If you, this feeling of like, oh, if I receive something, that means that I then have to give something back. Or, which is sort of the same, other side of the same coin, if I am worthy of receiving something, it must be because you know, I've already given something, or I suppose it might be better phrased as I'm not worthy of receiving because I haven't given enough. And I think, again, that's such a common thought pattern that especially women have, that I haven't given enough, I'm not worth receiving. And that's a big one to work through. It's a big one individually, and I think a big one collectively, and I am excited to just smash that belief to bits because it doesn't serve anyone. It serves disconnect and isolation and, you know, the good old American dream where your house is a fence around it and you don't need help from anybody. It's just you and your family, which is ridiculous. And a big part of returning to traditional ways or incorporating traditional knowledge around postpartum time, but really all of mothering is bringing back community. So, you know, there's that, like, I guess it's a meme. I've seen it as a reel before going around that says, like, they say it takes a village to raise a child, so where's my village? And I think a lot of those things are made, at least to me, it feels a little victim-y. Like, you know, the village is just supposed to show up. I need help. Where's my help? Um, But I do think that's a really big part of what Sarah and I are trying to plant seeds of in this world is bringing community care back to mothering, to birth, to pregnancy, just, I guess, back into the world in general. And that doesn't happen by accident, you know? Like, you don't just end up with community. Um, I don't remember the exact words, but this woman, Nicole, um, on Instagram, I think... She's at Seeds of Joy, The Seeds of Joy, maybe with an underscore. I don't know. I'll put that in the show notes, too. Here comes a car. She said something recently in her stories about when she was on this journey of trying to find her community or realizing that she wanted that. She was looking around for it and didn't, couldn't figure out, like, where is the community? How do I create this? And she said something along the lines of, I realized that in order for this community to, for me to find this community or this community to find me, 
I needed to become like the lighthouse. I needed to be the woman that I was looking for. And I think that's a really beautiful expression of this. So to tie that back to reception, receiving, Hmm. Wow, I totally forgot how I got here. Um, I think that the common thread through all of this, and um, through this point of not feeling worthy to receive, not giving enough to receive, is that maybe, well, first of all, that's just a silly belief. Um, find your way through it because everybody is worthy of receiving whatever they need. And what does worthy even mean? I think that's a little bit of a ridiculous word. But in order, again, to receive what it is that you need, you need to be open to it. And I think kind of maybe what Nicole was alluding to is that in order to receive, you need to be open to it. And you need to be, I guess, again, like that lighthouse. You need to be shining out that light saying, this is what I'm here for come find me. You know, there's like a difference between passive openness, like imagine someone going out to pick back apples. They have an apple basket and the basket itself is open and if you just leave it on the ground, maybe an apple will fall in. But that's a very passive approach to it. That's saying like, oh, you know, I know there's apples around. Maybe they'll find my way into their basket. I hope it would be nice, but in reality, it doesn't usually work that way. You have to go out and you have to express your needs. You have to talk to people about what, what you need, where you're at, and you need to ask for it. You know, you need to go up to the apple trees and say, hey, I'm looking to make a pie. Would you mind if I pick some of your apples? And so that same principle of openness is still there. That basket is still ready to receive. But it's, it's more guided, perhaps. I don't know if that makes any sense. All right, let's see if I can think of a third reason why it might be hard for women to receive in the postpartum time. Okay, I thought of two. First of all, we don't practice it. I mean, I think this is huge. When else do you ask for help in your life? This is not a rhetorical question. Like, ask yourself right now. When do I ask for help in my life? Do I ask for what I really need? Or am I one of those people, which is most people, I think, who have been programmed with some level of, if you ask for anything, it means you're weak. You need to be self-sufficient. Figure it out yourself. So if you're pregnant, especially in listening to this, start asking for what you need. Like, this is an amazing time to practice. I mean, preconception is obviously an even better time to practice because it gives you that much more time to get used to it. But in pregnancy, you have all of these new discomforts, perhaps, new limitations and new needs. And it would be really hard to do it alone. And I imagine that it would be maybe not harder, but harder in a different way to do it alone, not because you don't have help, but because you didn't ask for it. Like, I know so many women who, if they asked for what they needed, it would be so easy for someone around them to be like, yes, of course, I would love to do this for you. But if you don't ask, 
there are very few people who are going to just show up and be like, oh, I feel like maybe you might need me to make you dinner tonight. I just, I've noticed that you look really exhausted and you've been on your feet all day and I just really would like to make you dinner. Like, you know, when's the last time that happened to you? But I know that there are plenty of people out there, and this is a lesson for myself as well, who would be so, so happy if you asked. So, this is a lesson for everybody, regardless of your postpartum intentions. If there's something that you really need help with or that you need from somebody, please ask them. And if they say no, that's okay. You know, you can ask for something and for whatever reason, if another person says no, I know that it can be easy to take that as like, oh, again, I'm not worth it. There's something wrong with me. They don't want to help me. I asked for too much. These are all things that have gone through my brain before. But it's, again, just an important practice to look at those beliefs and say, is that really what I believe? Like, just hold each of those thoughts and be like, does this really feel true in my body? That if someone says no because I asked for something, that it's has anything to do with me, honestly. So, those are some thoughts on that. Um, I feel like there's something else I wanted to say on this topic, but it's escaped me. Asking for help. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is that I think, I don't think, I know that this is also really great practice for women to ask for what they need from their partners, specifically in relation to birth. So this is an exercise that we've done before in our prenatal birth education course, when we did it in person a couple times. Um, and one of the homework assignments would be for the couple to go home, and you could do this both ways, but specifically for birth prep, we were thinking that the woman receive a massage from her partner and be very specific in asking for exactly what she wants the whole time. And that can be super intimidating. Honestly, I didn't do it with Patrick, even though we were, Sarah and I were facilitating this class, because it felt really hard. And I was like, yeah, you know, it wasn't my homework. I don't need to do it. But now that I'm remembering this, I think I'm going to make myself do it. Yeah, we're going to do this homework assignment. Okay. So probably this is a good exercise for everybody out there. And I feel like I've seen it, something similar in you know, like various intimacy, coaching, whatever. Just becoming really comfortable with asking your partner for what you want. Could be what you need, it could be what you want. Um, at our friend's birth, who Sarah and I were both at, she was part of this class. I'm pretty sure she did this homework assignment. I was just laughing and also in awe during her labor. She was so joyful and with it and knew exactly what she needed and her husband was there in the birth pool with her and she would tell him exactly she'd be like no no an inch lower no no put your hand just like right above my hip no nope, not that high and like tiny bit less pressure she knew exactly what she needed and she had no hesitation to ask for it from him and i'm sure part of that is who she is and her relationship with her partner and I'm sure part of that was you know when you're out of your regular human brain and into mammalian labor brain things take on a very different shade but that was just really 
really beautiful for me to watch. Like this woman know exactly what she need and ask for it. There was no like, oh, could you please? Or like, maybe if you wouldn't mind, because there's no space for that in labor. It was just move your hand down now. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you want someone to make dinner for you when you're pregnant, you have to just say, hey, make dinner for me, you. That's probably not gonna get you what you want. But I think embodying this energy of being really open and saying, this is what I want. I'm not apologizing for it. I'm not like, I the words that comes to my mind is like fawning. I'm not being like, oh, if you would please, maybe. Just taking up the space that you need and asking for what you want. So to relate this back to postpartum time, this is much easier, at least from my experience, much easier done in pregnancy. So setting up a postpartum plan, thinking about what kind of help you're going to need, who you're going to need it from, who you want around, and asking for that in your pregnancy. Because once you're in like spaced out postpartum land, like my body and soul just shattered into a million pieces and are now reforming into a totally different person as my life reorients around this new tiny being, it's hard to add any extra work into that, whether that's like coordination work of like texting a bunch of people and be like, no, no, this person said they could come Saturday. It's okay, you come Friday. Or the emotional work of, of doing this asking. So I would definitely advise doing this prenatally. And again, that's just all the more practice for when you do need to ask for something later. I guess this would be a good place for a bit of a self-promotional plug. Sarah and I have done and absolutely adore doing postpartum consultations with people. Just really, I mean, especially for first-time moms, you have no idea what's about to happen. I mean, even for me, I've studied it for many, many years, and there was no way that I could know what it would feel like until I'd experienced it. So we love walking women through this time what it can feel like optimally, like the soul expansion, the bliss that is available in postpartum that is totally not talked about. And that's definitely another podcast episode that I should write down right now before I forget it about how when most people say postpartum, it's just linked with postpartum depression and how much potential this time has for incredible beauty and growth and softness and transformation. Anyways, knowing that, <laughs> we love helping women figure out what support they need to call in to provide the optimal conditions for them to experience things like this. And obviously, just like birth, you have to release expectations of how things are going to go down. But providing yourself with the best groundwork I guess you could say, for such an experience, I think is invaluable. So that's that. Reach out to us if you are interested. Anyways, back to the topic. The last thing I think that kind of goes along with what I was just saying, the last reason that I'm thinking of right now, although I'm sure I will think of more reasons later, maybe I'll have to do an episode addendum, um, of why it's difficult for women sometimes to receive postpartum care. 
And this goes along with what I was just saying, is that they have no idea what they're going to need. And again, especially with first-time moms, but I imagine that the transition from one kid to multiple or two, whatever, adding more children in is also something you've never experienced before. And you don't know with each baby, with each birth, exactly what you'll need. And there's no way to plan for that. But just in general, women don't know what they might need. Or at least, let me rephrase that, they might think that they don't know what they need. I would argue that if women really had the space and the time to just sit with that, really feel in to the postpartum time, and just imagine what would feel nourishing, I'm pretty sure that most women would come up with the same principles that are practiced in traditional postpartum care throughout the world. Because they're just universal principles. This is, it's just the truth of the thing. It's not, you know, it's not specifically Ayurvedic, you need to do it this way, or Chinese medicine, you need to do it this way. Almost every culture of postpartum care has the same principles. And I think because it's so universal and so innate in our physiology as humans and in our sort of collective consciousness as women who, you know, our mothers have done this, our grandmothers have done this. We have this lineage of women who have experienced this time. I think that if all women have the time and the introspection, they would come up with exactly what they need. So. This, again, it's not saying that you need to do so much research and read all the books and become a TCM doctor. I think that for sure some education could be helpful. Um, the First 40 Days is a really great book. I have been a space cadet for two weeks because Olin is growing new teeth and I'm waking up every two hours, so I cannot think of a single other book title. But I will put some in the show notes. And maybe I'll do an Instagram post or something on my favorite postpartum books. Anyways, yeah, I think that learning a little bit about this time, about the principles of care is great. And I think equally important, if not more so, well, probably a little bit more important, is tapping into what you know you are going to need. Because it will be different for each woman. Yes, there are universal principles. And one of those, I would argue, is flexibility, you know? depending on your birth, just depending on your lifestyle and who you are, you will require different things. And that actually brings us pretty well full circle. Because one of the reasons I was feeling so inspired to do this episode after hearing that speaker on the summit was because I've seen so many women work through this inability, not inability, but these blockages around receiving. And sometimes they're worked through with greater ease and uh, thoroughness than others. But it's pretty common when we first talk to women about postpartum care, whether it's in our, our various workshops or we, Sarah has taught um, a five-week innate postpartum training for expecting moms and partners, which hopefully we'll do again soon because that is so beautiful. But anyways, most women's reaction when they first hear about this is like, yeah, that's great, I guess. I mean, I suppose I could ask this person to do this one thing, but they don't really have conviction 
again, that feeling in their body that, yes, I can ask for help. Yes, it is imperative that I ask for help. And I think really feeling that, really getting to know that feeling, getting to, again, embody that feeling of I can ask for help is so important because it's really easy and I experienced this in my own postpartum time even if you have care set up to be like oh yeah you know I'm all by myself today with a little one but it's fine I'll be strong I can just do it I'll walk downstairs and I'll make myself breakfast and I did that I think it was week four postpartum Sarah and family who were such a huge help for me postpartum making breakfast bringing me snacks whatever we're gone on vacation, I believe. And my own mother had gone back home and Patrick had gone back to work. And so it was pretty much me and Olin all day alone. And the first few days I was like, yeah, this is fine. I can do this. I will carry this little baby down two flights of stairs in the morning and lift a heavy cast iron pan off of a hanging rack above the island and make myself breakfast and then wash the dishes and walk back upstairs, two flights of stairs, carrying this baby still. And after like three or four days of this, I was like, whoa, my pelvic diaphragm is not okay with this. You know, like I was telling myself in my head, it's fine, I don't need to ask for help. I've already received so much, like, I'm good, I don't feel comfortable asking for more. And by the end of this week, by the end of that week, I was like, I can't do this, and I went to my mom's house for the next week. So, this is all to say, it's not like a one and done, you're healed of your superwoman programming. And I mean superwoman, and maybe that's not the way, but you know, the, like, the story of the resilient, strong woman who can do it all herself. It's something that needs to be slowly unraveled in layers and spirals and... It's a really beautiful process. At least it was, it has been, it continues to be, in my experience. So, wherever you are at in your life, I would advise you to check in with yourself on where am I in this process? Do I feel that this programming, I keep calling it, has affected me? And how can I undo that? How can I let the real truth of my own body, my own softness. And again, this, <laughs> this just goes to so much of this sister wound, this witch wound, this entire wound of the feminine. Like we're taught that being soft, needing things, being open, being vulnerable is weak. And that is what you are postpartum like there is no way around that you are weak physically you can't do what you used to be able to do you are soft your body is soft your your whole experience is soft is super vulnerable like on all levels emotional physical spiritual you are just open and vulnerable and that is one of the most beautiful things in the world And that can lead to so much growth and healing and expansion and the word bliss just keeps coming up. But it's much harder if we 
resist that out of fear of being weak or fear of or judging ourselves for being weak. So this has just turned into a bit of a a bit of a long-winded ramble. But it feels really, really important to put these things out to the world for me. And to just quietly and slowly start planting these seeds. Like often I feel like when I make these podcasts, no one's really gonna remember everything that I said, but maybe a little idea will be planted somewhere. And one day they'll be like, oh, I remember, I remember feeling this once. And like that's already been awakened for them in some way, it's not all brand new. So just planting the seeds out there for accepting and really coming to love and honor and understand what it means to be a woman and for all people, regardless of gender, what it means to carry the divine feminine both in yourself and to honor it in others. Because the other side of this, this quandary of women not feeling comfortable with receiving is how can we as a society step up to knowing what is needed and again, honoring that and just helping out. I feel like that was a pretty big process with my partner and I in pregnancy because I, again, you know, as a child, I was sort of tomboyish. I had guy friends and I was always one of those, oh yeah, I can carry that, it's fine. Like, I'm strong, I got this kind of people. And I definitely had some judgments around women who were like, oh, can you lift this for me? I was like, whatever, I could do it. <laughs> um, and again, I think this was my own internal masculine that was left a little unchecked. And then pregnancy and birth and postpartum checked it hard. I often in pregnancy when I would squat too much or like bend up and down or carry things, which I did a lot because I was working on a farm. One of my SI joints would get all funny and then I felt like I couldn't walk for a day. And this was all new for me, not feeling totally competent in my body. And it was new for my partner too, to get back to what I was saying. You know, my whole relationship for him, I had been strong and independent and I don't need anything to the point of when we first started dating, he would do all these cute things like open the car door for me and I was like, I'm a feminist, don't do that. I can open my own door, which is totally ridiculous. And comes back to women not knowing how to receive. And so then, you know, he stopped doing those nice things for me because I sort of yelled at him for it because I wasn't comfortable with that. I wasn't, I wasn't able to allow him to show up in his divine masculine essence because I was trying to embody that in our relationship. And that's been a huge thing for us to work through. Well, not work through, but work on, work with. So anyways, in pregnancy, I got some big lessons in asking for help. And for him, this was the first time that I'd ever really asked for help. And that was, it took some getting used to, you know? For a while he was like, what do you mean? You're fine, you're pregnant, don't worry about it. You know, I always had a pretty small belly. I didn't, 
I was still decently spry. I wasn't like some pregnant women who just seem so in it, you know? But I still needed help, and I still, you know, in the first trimester, I just felt nauseous, like all morning and all night. And he didn't quite know what to do with that for a while. It took him a second to reorient towards, okay, this is not the same totally self, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Self, whatever, able to take care of herself, completely competent Mabel that I have known and have learned how to relate to. This is something new and we both needed to figure that out. And then, so back to my own humbling, or what did I say, putting the, my own masculine in its place, and the pregnancy, birth, postpartum, just feeling into that. I mean, I don't think there's any way, well, I'm sure there is. What am I trying to say here? For me, it was a really potent time of exploring deeper into what it meant to be in my own feminine element. And it's so obvious in a lot of ways, you're like reflected in the shape of your body. Like you look down, you're like, whoa, this is something new. This is something round and juicy and oceanic. And it's not all, you know, like I was before, all elbows and knees and sharp corners. And then in postpartum, learning how to say, I can't do that. I want to help, or I want to do this thing, or I want to be, to be able to take care of myself. And I physically can't do this right now for many months, I think until around nine months postpartum, maybe like two to nine months postpartum. I had lingering, super, super mild, but sort of like lingering prolapse. Like probably if I'd gone to see a professional, they may not have even said it was prolapse, but just this heavy, heavy dragging feeling of like, my vagina is falling out of my body. And it wasn't, of course, but it just, I could feel it and I could feel, oh, I did too much yesterday and now I'm feeling this. And when my moon cycle came back, I could feel like, whoa, I need to honor this in a new and much more serious way than I did before because just in my physical body, it can't sustain me being as active as I perhaps would like to be. And so, again, the moon cycle is a great way, a great tunnel in to honoring your internal feminine. So to tie it back into, I guess, the practical aspect of this, if you are someone who, in any aspect of your life, honestly, but specifically talking today about preparing for postpartum, if you are one of those women who's like, yeah, you know, I don't really, I don't want to ask anybody. I probably don't need anything. It'll be fine. Obviously, it's really important that you feel comfortable in your postpartum time. And if having people there doing things to support you is really not going to make you feel safe, then, you know, you need to do what works for you. And at the same time, I would encourage anyone in such a conundrum to really, really look at why are they not open to receiving.
and what things are there, what things are being shown that they can work through in order to be open to this time. Because, you know, if you're shut off or not open to certain things like support from friends, that could or might, you know, that might be connected to other things being shut off and just in general, I guess let's go the opposite, the more positive route. The more that you open yourself to the world, the more that you will be open in all aspects of your life. So that seems obvious, but taking this as an example, like maybe opening yourself to receiving a friend's support, to asking someone for help, will allow you to open to a different <laughs> aspect of your bond with your new baby, or to a new part of your relationship with your partner, or to a new part of your relationship with this friend that you're asking for. I know for me that when people ask for support, it helps me to feel closer with them. It helps me to feel more comfortable with them. So those are just some things to consider thinking about in this time. All right, I have gone off on so many tangents, I don't even know where we began anymore. But I feel complete about this. I feel like I guess I just want to speak in conclusion of this episode. Just like just putting these words out there as a prayer so I'm not just Hey, thank you, Lewis. Olin. Putting these words out there as a prayer because I'm not just talking to for informational purposes or you know as like a, a guidebook how to pregnancy and birth this is all a prayer of some kind and so just hoping that this gets to the people who need to hear it and that these seeds of receiving of being open of trusting our sisters and asking for what we need are planted in the minds of anyone who needs this to bloom for them. So thank you all for listening. Again, if you're local, please, please, we'd love to see you. Come to one of our circles. We can continue to talk about this more because clearly I'm pretty passionate about it. And I love talking about things where as I'm speaking, I'm learning, if that makes sense. I don't feel like I'm regurgitating facts that I've learned or things that I've read. I feel like I am opening my nervous system, my heart, whatever it is to speak words that are true, that have been digested. All of my experiences, the things that I've learned, the things that I've heard have been digested and can now be given back to the world. So, on that note, I will leave you all to enjoy the rest of your day, evening, whatever you're up to. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoy this podcast, getting back into goofy Mabel voice here, please consider us consider giving us some stars and a review. Honestly, I would love more reviews, not, you know, for the sake of collecting accolades and being like, wow, everyone loves me. 
but to really and honestly see what people are appreciating from this podcast, what people are getting out of it, maybe what people would like to see more of to help sort of guide us. Because as I said, you know, you're the collective part of the Catskills Birth Collective. So please get yourself involved if you're interested. All right. Um, that's it. 